the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Pastor Ray Bentley says wisdom comes from our respect for God. One of the first things that the, the Bible says is to fear the Lord, but to honor Him, revere Him, to love Him, and to adore Him. He's awesome. So revering God, it is a coming into a deep awe of God and reverence for God and, and love for God, that's wisdom. If you dishonor God, that's foolishness and folly. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. When men decide among themselves where to find wisdom, it's a self-limiting proposition, isn't it? The high watermark would only be human wisdom, no matter how you look at it. That's why today, from James chapter 3, Pastor Ray shows us that real wisdom starts with our Heavenly Father. Okay, James, I'm gonna read starting in verse one. We're actually gonna concentrate on uh, verses 13 through 18. And by the way, just by way of introduction, uh, James probably, from the best we know, is the, the oldest book written of the New Testament. This is probably the first one that was written and began to be circulated. So. This is a very uh, interesting picture of the earliest church, the earliest uh, believers as brothers and sisters. So James says in verse one, my brethren, and he, you know, by that he's including the sister in as well. My brethren, let not many among you be teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed. We put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and yet boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. James is talking about the, the, the power of the tongue, this little tiny member of our bodies. And yet that little tiny member, the analogy uses of, of the bit and the horse's bridle, it is, it is able to turn it wherever it will go, the rudder with the ship. 
So our tongue, the Bible says, has the capacity of life in it or death. How many of us have said things we wish we wouldn't have said? Oh man, we're all in there, right? And the words come flying out and you're going, oh, trying to pull them back, but they come out. So now he is gonna transition. So we're gonna pick up with verse 13. He wants to talk about the wisdom of God related to the tongue. And this is very fascinating. Beginning in verse 13, he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. It is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable and gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. As he begins talking about true wisdom, James says that true wisdom is actually manifest not by the little you know, advice that we can give people or the pearls of wisdom that we can share with our tongue, but true wisdom is actually manifest by our behavior, by doing the right things, by the way we, in other words, that divine wisdom, when you think of divine wisdom, you're thinking, oh, you know, some like heavy, you know, truths and concepts or whatever. He goes, no, heavenly wisdom, supernatural wisdom, divine wisdom, godly wisdom is actually manifest in the way you treat other people. That's the wisdom of God. And because now, apparently, when he says here in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? What was happening in this little, tiny, brand new church 2,000 years ago is that people were bragging about how wise they were. And the way that they would boast of their wisdom is that I know more than you, and I can teach you, and you ought to be listening to me. And, and they were, you know, there was quarrels and there were divisions and all the rest. Now let, let's paint a, a very honest picture here. What was happening 2,000 years ago? Yes, it was, you know, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out on that day and people are, you know, speaking. There's like fire, cloven tongues up on their heads and they're praising God in all these languages. Peter gets up and preaches. Jesus, who was just crucified, is the Messiah. Guys, we blew it. He is alive. He is risen. And he pierced their hearts. And 3,000 were saved that day. A little bit later, he preaches again, and 5,000 are added. Literally, beyond hundreds, there are thousands of Jews who are coming into this new community called the church. Now, it wasn't probably a nice big building like this. It was probably more like a home because they were, there was controversy, and, and some Jews were believing in Jesus, and some were not. In fact, I would say that that has always been true from the beginning. It is not true that all the Jews rejected Jesus. Some Jews believed in him. In fact, all the writers of the New Testament, except for one, were Jews. <laughs> and even when modern Jews ask you know, us as Gentiles, hey, how come all you know, two and a half billion of you Gentiles believe Jesus is the Messiah? We answer, because you told us he was. <laughs> Jews told us he was, we believe them. 
and some of you didn't. And so look, you guys argue it among yourselves, but we believe. <laughs> so they were coming in. Now you might imagine in this, let's say this little house church 2000 years ago, sitting up here in the third row is a Pharisee. He's got all his robes, religious guy. You could clearly see him as they walked the streets and they would hold their robes and praying and, and uh, they had their phylacteries and all the rest. So he's in the third row. Now he's become a believer and follower of Jesus, a Nicodemus, let's say. And then across from him is a Sadducee. Now the Pharisees believe in the Bible. They believe in, in the supernatural. They believe in God. They believe in angels. They believe in the resurrection and the supernatural and all of that. Uh, but now he's come to believe that Jesus is Messiah. The Sadducee is over here. He was a materialist. He had lost his faith in God. He said, I, I don't even believe in God anymore. Or I don't believe in miracles or the supernatural. There is no resurrection. But now that Sadducee has been pierced somehow in his heart. And instead of being the humanist philosopher, you know, materialist, now all of a sudden his spiritual life has been rekindled. And he, so a Sadducee is here, a Pharisee is there, and there's a tax collector four rows back of them. And over here is a, an immoral, you know, publican, tax collector, sinner, whatever. So in the world, you have all, everybody has their groups. Pharisees stay with Pharisees, Sadducees stay with Sadducees, and the publicans and the tax collectors and the harlots and all the rest, they have their little cliques. But all of those little, uh, you know, little sub-communities of falsehood have been broken and shattered, and now they're all in one under one roof. Yes, they've all been born again. Yes, they've all come to see Jesus, but they're not perfect yet, just like us. And so their tongues are beginning to, you know, oh, great, you know, I'm glad, Sadducees, finally you see the light that you believe in the resurrection. Where have you been all this time? Here, let me help teach you. And the Sadducees going, hey, it's because of, you know, hypocrites like you that guys like me lost faith. Let me teach you. So they're using their tongues, arguing, debating, jealousy, factions. And now James says, hey, guys, stop. You want to know who is really wise? The wisest person here is manifest not by how much they know and how much advice they can give to others. But the spiritually wise are those who love one another, who treat one another the way that our Father in heaven has told us to do. So. The question becomes, how does someone grow in such divine wisdom? And by the way, I'll state the obvious. Life, we live in a, in a temporary situation. It's not gonna be like this forever. The kingdom is coming, and one day, and hopefully soon, those prayers will be answered, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the meantime, we're kind of in this in-between, the first coming and second coming time. And life is hard, and, and uh, there, there's, uh, difficulties and sorrow and suffering and sickness and death. It's not forever, but it's right now. And I, will, I would encourage you that in order to get through life, not just to, to kind of survive it, but actually to thrive through life to the end is going to require God's wisdom to really make it and be fruitful and be successful and to enjoy life as much as it is possible. So with that in mind, how many of you would like to add a little bit more wisdom to your life, okay? Good, then you've come to the right place. This is what James is talking about. Let me go over very quickly four things that can add to our wisdom. Number one, reverence for God. It begins with reverence for God. I'm gonna talk in a moment what that word reverence means. 
But I put into your notes Psalm 111, verse 10. So let's read this scripture out loud together, shall we? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Is that, that's interesting. I remember being a young believer and reading this, and I would hear, you know, sermons about it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But in the beginning, nobody explained to me what that meant, and it was always confusing to me. Okay, so I'm supposed to, God's my Father, He loves me, He sent Jesus, but I'm supposed to be afraid of Him. <laughs> I want you to understand something. The, when it says, this has been translated, right, from the original language to modern English, and another word that, that uh, would come to us would be the word reverence, or another word is respect. Respecting God. I put in here some of the words that are actually from the Webster's Dictionary about reverence. It means profound awe, or a deep respect. And it also, to revere means to love, adore, or worship. And, and so this is God who gives wisdom to those who revere Him. The, those who honor the Lord, respect the Lord, are in awe of God. That is the beginning of wisdom. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray's homecoming to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. We love you, Pastor Ray, and we miss you. What a blessing that we were all able to hear and experience God through his passion for the Word and his ability to simplify and make things humorous and fun. I miss his contagious laugh. He had the best laugh. God, please be with his family and friends. At Maranatha Radio, the love and support the Bentley family have received is overwhelming and very much appreciated. If you'd like to express your thoughts and tell us how these messages have impacted your life, would you take just 60 seconds and write an email? Send it to ray at raybentley.com or post it on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. One of the first things that the Bible says is to, to fear the Lord, but to honor Him, revere Him, to love Him, and to adore Him. He's awesome. We are so small. We are so tiny. We're so insignificant. Even we're small compared to the planet Earth. And the planet Earth is nothing in our solar system. And our solar system is nothing in that galaxy, and that galaxy is nothing to every other galaxy in the universe. And then God is even beyond the galaxies. We are very, very, very small. And we are to reverence Him. Why? Because He's almighty and He's all-powerful. And He made us. We had nothing to do with getting here. He is our creator. And so he, he, if you make something, if you make something at home, don't you kind of consider if you went and got the materials, you bought them, you purchased them, and you make something, isn't it yours? You made it. As creator of it, it's yours. You have ownership of it. But God gave to us free will, so we got up off the table and ran away. And then we ran to another man's you know, store, as it were, and got sold into slavery. So God, the original creator and owner, had to go purchase us and buy us. 
Essentially, now that you're in his hands, he goes, hey, look, now you're really mine. Now you're twice mine. First of all, I made you and I own you because I made you. Then you ran away and I had to buy you. And then I bought you with my own son. So now I really own you and I will never let you go. Amen? To revere God. Now, this is something that as parents, the first responsibility of mentoring or or discipling, according to the, the Jewish scriptures in the Old Testament was parents had a responsibility to teach their children to reverence God. And this is very, very important because you you learn to respect him and, and to be in awe of him for his greatness, his power, that he loves you and wants to help and assist you in life. But by revering him, you enter into a relationship with him. That is to be reflected in the Ten Commandments. You teach children, honor your father and mother. It's that same idea of respect. It's a very powerful, foundational truth that is often been lost in our culture. Now, why, why does God say, okay, I want you to honor your father and mother? Because you learn how to honor God that you cannot see by honoring your father and your mother whom you can see. And God takes that very directly, that they, you kind of become the first representatives to your own children of kind of what God is like between mom and dad. And as they then learn to honor mother and father, then if they learn that at home, they will learn when they go to school that I ought to then honor my teacher or respect my teacher or listen. And then Paul goes on in Romans 13, he says, in fact, as Christians, we believe that all authority has been given by God, even civil authorities. Christians ought to be uh, those who honor and respect authority and, and laws and are law-abiding citizens. This is one of the things that has brought about a revolution even in China, communist China. Not all, but in, in a general principle, I don't know if you realize, there's been a monumental change in the modern Chinese communist who may be an atheist, who a, from a very pragmatic sense will say, you know what, we used to think, fight these Christians and imprison them. What are we doing? We're crazy. They're the most law-abiding, respectful, productive, uh, best, you know, with their children and everything. As long as you don't attack us, hey, you guys are okay. And now Christianity has thrived. There are over 100 million Christians. There are more Christians in China than there are in the United States of America, and we call ourselves a Christian nation. There's a lot there. So revering God, it is a coming into a deep awe of God and reverence for God and and love for God, that's wisdom. If you dishonor God, that's foolishness and folly. So it begins with reverence. Secondly, and this is uh, obvious, but still must be stated, we must be born again. This is where you admit you're a sinner, you ask Christ to come into your life, And Jesus said, you're born again. John chapter three, verse three, Jesus said, most assuredly, he was talking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee. He said, assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's just one of the explanations given to what it means when you are spiritually now connected with God. Jesus described it in one sense as being born again. When that happens, when Christ comes into your life, you believe in him and and trust in him as your savior. Then you are, as the Bible says, in Christ. You are in Christ. Now let me give you a little simple analogy. 
going to take my, here's my bulletin, and here's my Bible representing Christ, the Word, right? So let's say this represents you or me. I am, when I am born again and come to Jesus, in Christ. From now on, this, this little bulletin is in my Bible. Wherever my Bible goes now, that bulletin goes. Why? Because the bulletin is in my Bible. You and I are in Christ Jesus. So that where he is, if we're in Christ, we must be also. So where is Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us that as of right now, when he resurrected on the third day and then appeared to the disciples for over 40 days, then he ascended up into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father on high. And did you know that the New Testament tells us that you and I are seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. So all of a sudden, this whole idea of that I'm in Christ, I'm not only here upon the earth, but spiritually, somehow, I'm also in Christ because he is in me and, and seated in heavenly places. That's a powerful, overwhelming reality to come into. See, as, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have dual citizenship. I have a passport. I am a citizen of the United States of America, and I'm, I might say uh, very blessed, very proud, uh, very happy to have my passport as a citizen of the United States of America. I have another passport, so to speak. And that passport says Ray Bentley, created by his Father in heaven and purchased by the blood of the Son, Jesus Christ, his Savior, member and citizen of the kingdom of God for all time and all eternity. Now that one I'm especially proud of. I have that passport as well. We have a dual citizenship. And when we receive Christ into our hearts and become in Christ, in fact, 160 times in the New Testament, it talks about us being in Christ. Well, listen to the, one of these benefits. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. is just a little one-sentence phrase, but this is a gem. And I put it in your notes. So let's read this scripture out loud together, shall we? But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. If you were in Jesus, guess who Jesus is? Jesus is the sum and total of the wisdom of the infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, and almighty God. Every molecule of wisdom that is not only in this universe, but in the existence of the presence of God that goes out for infinity is in Christ Jesus. So if you are in Christ, then you have become rooted in the wisdom of the universe because that's who Jesus is. In Jesus, the more closely we come to Him, the more heavenly wisdom will flow into our souls. Pastor Ray Bentley with good insight on where to find real wisdom. Glad you've joined us for our studies in the book of James today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, True Spiritual Wisdom. If you missed any part of today's presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com.
We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo, three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his book called As the Days of Noah, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.